We ready to go? Everyone feels good? Yeah. We need to grab yeah. a drink or anything? Yeah. No, I'm feeling good. It's been one week since our last podcast. Um, that one was on Josie and the Pussycats. Weirdly, a lot of parallels to this episode. However, this episode's the start of a new month. We're all really excited. Uh, this month is on. I didn't, I promised last week that there may be a new name, the something snappier. I didn't come up with one. So it is still, as of now, the theme of this month is teen movies adapted from classic literature. The more I say it, the more it rolls off the tongue, I guess. Uh, so we're talking today about one of those, and uh, we'll get into some other themes as well. But before that, let's start the podcast, which, as you know, I don't know how to do. So it'll either be, um, you know, I guess we could have done all of one week by Bare Naked Ladies, but just the first two lines or two words, really, or something along the lines of what relate to the movies. My name is Ben Holt, and this is a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots. Each week, we'll pick a movie that either I or a guest hadn't seen before and really should have by now. This week, starting the month of teen movies adapted from classic literature, is adapted from William Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew, 10 Things I Hate About You, Your Guests. Left to right across your podcast aisle, we got Ray. Hi. We got Robbie. Hola. And we got uh, Greg. Hey. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in case it's not clear, or you haven't watched the movie in a while. It, it does start with a, a strange remix of uh, "One Week" by Burning Ladies. This yes. movie does. Yes, I was it did. About that, immediately take me into the nineties. Yes. I was like, "Oh, yes. good. Okay, we're in the nineties." Yes. yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. We were like, they had "Whoa!" Like a, a very specific font choice as well, and yeah. I was like, "This is it." Yep, it's nineteen ninety nine. We're in Seattle. We see the Space Needle. Yeah, it's like this is as close to a time machine as I get. Like yep. generations. It was so nineties. So nineties. Everything about this movie was so nineties. Yes. Very nineties, um, except the the parts where they're just saying Shakespeare lines. I guess. Um, but the, the, uh, we're doing the, that in the 90s. In the text the of the movie, it's just because they're weird. The kids who yes, are doing it yes. are, are like nerds, which I like. <laughs> Before um, we get into the movie, though, um, have you guys watched anything good recently? We recorded not that long ago. but you So last time we recorded, I think Ray mentioned that she rewatched Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Mm-hmm. So I rewatched Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and it's still good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. Everything I said last time. Yes, yeah. agreed. All those same things. Yeah, yeah. Puppets. Um, I watched Barry recently and I'm rewatching It's Always Sunny because nice. why not? Yeah, so Glenn Howardin just starred in a movie about um Blackberry called Blackberry. Okay. Um and apparently it's pretty good. It's it's one of the few brand tie-in movies that are coming out right now. That seems actually interesting because it's about something that failed. Mm. Um, apparently, Glenn Harrington's really good at it. Cool. I really like him. So, mm. yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I, I think it just played at the Columbus actually, but it hasn't played at like the multiplexes around here. Mm. Um, I've been meaning to see uh, Charlie Day's movie too. I forgot what it was called. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't remember either. He's wearing a hat on the poster. Yeah, it's something about like a marriage or something. I heard it got good reviews though. You're making it uh, yeah, I don't know a ton yeah. about it. Okay. <laughs> I'll check it out and report back. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Um, what did I do? I don't know. <laughs> Scooby Doo. We've been watching Scooby Doo. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, oh I, I did I did watch something. Sorry. I just remember. What is it? Uh yeah, so I did watch something. I watched uh Kiyoshi Kurosawa's movie Cure from 1997. It's uh you'll like this. It. The way, I mean, you can interpret it to be about big therapy, actually. Um, 
It definitely is. But it's like some people consider it a horror movie just because it's like so unsettling, but it's technically the actual action of the movie is a police procedural thriller, kind of like seven, but then it kind of gets into a sort of uh, not even surreal, but not exactly based in reality place by the end of the movie. Um, And it's about this cop who's trying to not necessarily solve a spate of murders because he knows exactly who did each of these murders, but there's all these different people who are committing like these really messed up killings in the same fashion in Tokyo and um, are found right next to the scene of the crime in each case without any memory of doing it. And then they eventually encounter this amnesiac who the cop becomes convinced is mesmerizing or hypnotizing all these people into doing these horrific things. Hmm. And uh, it's, it goes places from there. Super good. Sounds cool. Highly recommend. Hmm. It's not like a fun movie, but we've been doing a lot of popcorn stuff lately, so maybe we'll get into like the bleakest recesses of the soul next month. I don't know. That's what oh, July yeah. is good for, right? Yeah. That's a more catchy name. <laughs> the bleakest recesses of the soul month? That, yeah, that's better good. than teen movies adapted from... I know. I was trying to come up with something for that. I'm like, I don't know. We've got like adolescent adaptations or like... I don't know. I'm getting there. I'm still thinking about it. Yeah, maybe maybe adolescent adaptations. <laughs> uh, so that maybe so each month I'm thinking of a question to ask on each of the episodes to sort of tie everything together. I do have a good one for this month, but maybe an even better one is what do you think a better title for the theme would be? I I'm gonna veto adolescent adaptations. I'm immediately picturing like teens with like lizard tails or something it's like this weird genetic kind of thing you know what i mean <laughs> like experiments all right well that's the seeds of what i've got so you could take that it's, and, it's and a little something. sci-fi something right up. it's sci-fi it's adolescent adaptations this sci-fi movie where these teenagers like are, are like working in a lab to give themselves these weird evolutionary based powers like yeah. lizard skin and extra arms and stuff perfect yeah until we come up with a better name, it's still teen movies adapted from classic lit, such as this week's episode, like we said, 10 Things I Hate About You from Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. And just because it's the first one, I'll go through. And we're definitely doing Clueless and She's the Man after this. If you and 10 Things I Hate it. About You. Yeah. It's a good transition. Uh, who wants to give us a one-minute plot summary about 10 Things I Hate About You? Okay. So this Cameron, he's new to the school. He sees a girl once who he thinks is hot, and he's like, "I I gotta bang this chick," and she can't date though, unless uh, or something. And then her dad is really concerned with her sex life and what's going on with her impregnation. And then he tells her that she can date if her sister dates, but no one likes her sister. So then they pay uh, Heath Ledger money to take her sister out on a date, and he's like, he smokes cigarettes and stuff, but he's good at wood shop. And um, he decides to try to get her to go out with him. And he, the other guy, Cameron, is like trying to lay some groundwork with that girl, but she doesn't like him. And then, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> they they figure out what she likes by breaking into a room. And then he just kind of tries to be who she wants him to be. And then they fall for each other. And then she finds out that he was being paid to date her. And then... She writes a, a little poem about how much she hates him, but she doesn't hate him. And then he makes up for it by buying her th- things. <laughs> and they're in love. <laughs> the end. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think really, I you really captured the spirit of it. Oh, and then the girl falls for Cameron. 
yes, that's also happening at the same time. That's the B plot. That's the B plot. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I, I'm more concerned about the A plot in my my plot summary. This I think is, that's fair. You said A plot summary, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm, okay, right. good. A one minute plot summary is All right, a, now a thirty plot second B plot summary. Go yeah. <laughs> um. So. I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Uh, came out in 1999. I didn't see it like in theaters, but I've seen it many times since. And it wasn't a huge success at the time, but has entered into this sort of uh, late 90s, early thousands glut of uh, teen comedies that people still uh, really connect with and resonates with them. How about you guys? I had never seen it before. Cool. Uh, I've seen it a bunch of times. Yeah. I remember really liking it, and I did still really enjoy it, but it's definitely <laughs> different than I remember. We're going to talk about that, yeah. <laughs> I had never seen it before. Cool. First time. It's nice to be half and half. It's usually just one person, so neither of you have to feel too singled out. Um. Okay, so yeah. Ten Things I Hate About You. Directed by Gil Junger. I have no idea how to pronounce it. Maybe Junger. Oh, yeah. I, don't know. I mean, the works of Gil Junger are timeless. Uh, he's made some other stuff you might have heard of, but it's uh, I, uh, the more creatives that get focused on in this one is the screenplay by a, a duo, Karen McCullough Lutz and Kristen Smith. They go on to also write Legally Blonde, Ellen Enchanted, The House Bunny, Ugly Truth, and She's the Man. They also contributed to that one. Hmm. So we're hmm. revisiting them a couple times this month. Um, Going into this movie, I think the only thing I knew about it was that Heath Ledger was in it and that she writes that poem in the end. Hmm. Yes. But it's nice to see Heath Ledger. Yes. It's kind of weird. And everybody uh, wrote a poem for the end of the episode, right? I did, yeah. I did not know Joe was in this movie. Mm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Oh. Yes, Joe. Joe. Yeah. Joe? Yeah. Mr. Okay. Joe. Mr. Joe. <laughs> yes. It is kind of funny, too, that he just hasn't aged. I guess he's just changed size, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, a little bit. Well, no, he's like 42, maybe. Yeah, that's about right. Oh, everyone's around the same age now. I know Julia Stiles is 42. I think he's the same age as Julia Stiles. So. Hmm. Who are the girls in this? The main one's Julia Stiles. What else is she in? She's in a lot of stuff. Um, so all I could the whole time I was watching this, all I could think was like, this girl, I I know I Did, didn't she stop acting in more modern things? Like, isn't it like didn't she? Uh, she's like, kind of soft retired. I mean, she was in the Bourne franchise. Okay. Um, she, she, supposedly her dance sequence on the table uh, gets her cast and Save the Last Dance, which was weirdly big sensation back in the day. And she was sort of just in a bunch of stuff in the early thousands. Hmm. Um. This movie's sort of thought of as not necessarily like a breeding ground, but this place where a bunch of people all in their like late teens or early 20s, this was a lot of them their first like bigger movie. Mm. This is Heath Ledger's first American movie. Mm -hmm. um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt hadn't broken out yet. Third, uh, Third Rock from the Sun starts in 1996. So this is a few years after that, but he's just like the kid on that show. Oh, right. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> One thing I always forget is that Allison Janney, who six months after this movie came out, would star on The West Wing, um, and then many years later win uh, an Oscar for I, Tanya, she's like in three of the first five scenes of the movie, and then she's just like not in the movie again, basically. Those are some <laughs> of my favorite scenes in the movie, and, though. No, wait, who's this? Uh, the, the guidance counselor who's like oh. writing erotic fiction. <laughs> yes. Quivering. Yeah. Yes. 
great. Yes. Which is structurally strange, but um, yeah. And then it's the 90s, so this movie also has a blooper reel at the end. You didn't mention that in your plot summary. You know, uh, I was going to mention it, though, because as soon as it came on, I was like, sad this is gone. <laughs> yeah, be, a lot of this stuff, I'm like, yeah, I see why this stood in the 90s. This, I'm like, I like this. <laughs> I movie good. should have this. Uh, it makes two in a row. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats is 2001, but it also has mm. kind of a blooper, blooper reel. I feel like they want to just save it for the director's cuts now. or like bonus features. Yeah, for, for like the dozen of us that still buy physical media so we can see all those deleted scenes. <laughs> Literally dozens. Dozens of us. Um, I think Julia Stiles is like around 18. Heath Ledger's like around 19 here. Uh, he looks super young. It's less than a decade from playing the Joker yeah, that's at crazy. this point. Um, yeah. So this is our first Heath Ledger movie. Hmm. Um, yeah, I was, I'll be, I was pretty meh on this movie to be you were, honest you were whelmed i was whelmed on this movie um yeah i was watching this movie and i was like i'm too late to this movie mm. like this is if i had watched this in high school i would have been all about this movie and i'm like yeah now i'm too old for it i think i i, I agree it it does do a pretty good job bringing you back into the 90s but like very some nostalgic. of the songs and like, yeah just like even the I don't know. Even the opening, I was like, hell yeah, here we go. <laughs> as soon as this movie opened, I was like, they don't make movies like this anymore. <laughs> and then you were like, oh, they don't make movies like this anymore. <laughs> yeah. And the blooper were real too. Like, I was like, oh yeah, I remember all, all the movies used to do this. <sighs> Not to jump there, but it also ends with like, this is just a band on a roof playing <laughs> music. Yeah, like it happened in the 90s all the time. You just... Yeah, Chilling in Should, the band where there shouldn't be a band. Yep. A lot of the clothing choices they made too. I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is, giant suit jacket. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this is very, very nineties. Yes. Should mention that the band in this movie that shows up, I think, three separate times is Letters to Cleo, um, whose lead singer Kay Hanley does the singing voice for Josie and Josie and the Pussycat. So it's back to back Letters oh. to Cleo episodes. Oh, oh well. Uh, you watch Parks and Rec, right? Yep. It's the band that Ben's obsessed with. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Oh, I was uh, excited to see Joe in this movie, like I said. I did so not why realize... do you guys call him Joe? <laughs> um, he, we watched uh, some of the 50th anniversary uh, Sesame Street episode, and he's in it, and they all call him... All the uh, Sesame Street characters call him Joe. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. He probably insisted. That's what I was thinking. And it's funny, too, because he looks so pumped because every time anyone really famous on Sesame Street, they're, like, hyped. It's like, I fucking made it. It wasn't the Oscar. It's like, no, that's not what it is. It's once you end up on Sesame Street, like, I fucking did it. <laughs> you're yeah. such a cultural icon that you're relevant to kids. <gasps> and he's hosting the 50th anniversary. That's a big one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he likes to... He, he, he fancies himself like a song and dance man, so he'll get out there. He'll probably try to do a little song. See mm -hmm. if maybe Big Bird puts a stop to it, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fair. We, I haven't we didn't finish it, it so. yeah. Mm. But it was weird because we saw that like right after we watched that movie. Yeah, mm -hmm. they do call him Mr. Joe, obviously, because he they're, insists. Well, they're children, and you know, He's in the I'm not sure. Maybe later, and they'll be like, "Just Joe is fine." <laughs> you know, they made a joke about his age. Now that I think about it, because they were like, "Oh, you know, Mr. Mr. Joe, he must be like at least 12 years old." <laughs> Yes. And he's like, I am 38. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, he's... So this and then 500 Days of Summer, like, weirdly 
very big in like a hyper specific generation of people. Um, and then he has made a ton of other movies. He, he tried to do something with, uh, remember that, that movie that was just about him being like a, like a Jersey shore guy that like masturbates a lot. Oh yeah. I don't remember. And then people are like, you don't get to make movies anymore. And that was pretty much it for him. <laughs> yes. You're mad. All right, this was a mistake. Don John, I want to say. I didn't, yes. I didn't see it. Oh, but. he was addicted to jerking off. Right? Yeah, he was okay, addicted yes. to porn, and I assume also jerking off. But. Scarlett Johansson's in it, maybe? Yeah, she's like, stop watching porn. <laughs> He's like, I can't. I can't do it. No can do. I like him in... Um, Sorry, Scott. Joe. Have you seen 50-50? Yes. Mm. I love that movie. It's Underrated. Movie. I like 50-50 a lot It's a really good movie. It's a good movie. Uh, he has one. to shave his head. He has mm-hmm. cancer, and well, Seth Rogen's his friend. Oh, I have seen that. Yes. Good Seth Rogen role. Yes. Yeah. He plays Seth Rogen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's Seth Rogen, but it's not like a goofy comedy. No, I know. Yeah. yeah. It's like a cancer comedy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I watched it once a very long time ago. Yeah, good good movie. He gets a greyhound named Skeletor. <laughs> yes, we love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we, we love Joe here. Yeah. Uh, and I guess Inception also a pretty big movie. For yes, him. never heard of it. And Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> we're oh, we're yeah. at, the huh? end, at the end, some lady's like, you were Robin the whole time. And he's like, yep, and that's it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that him and Heath Ledger end up in the dark, the... That Dark Knight trilogy, huh? Wait, Not at the wait. same time. He was in Dark Knight. He rises. Yeah. Oh, he's the the police officer, right? He's yeah, he's he's guy. using his uh, he's using his cop voice in that movie. We never actually get to see him be Robin, though, right? No, it is the he's last like, scene. They're like, "Oh, your name's this." He's like, "Well, my actual name is Robin or something." And they're like, <gasps> "Yeah." Um, functionally, it's like an acknowledgement that he was like kind of a sidekick in that movie. Gotcha. But yeah, no one's really like the thing. That's the Chris Nolan Batman movies. People are sort of incidentally the comic book characters. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm also this guy. Yeah. Unrelated. Right. Yeah. Was no, no one's a- like in a costume. All of their stuff is like supposed to have a functional reason that that's what their clothes look like or whatever. <laughs> Was he the kid in Angels in the Outfield? Hmm. There's a different kid that I confuse with him as a kid. That was also in Rookie of the Year, mm. uh, um, and because that's a baseball movie, I I can't I can't place it. Um, Look at the Google. Yeah, someone can Google it. Um, should shouldn't go too long without offering a little bit of a defense. I like this movie a lot, uh, and I think it's still pretty interesting. <laughs> I, I still enjoyed it. I don't know if I like it as much as I did when I was younger. Um. I thought it was incredibly hilarious that they consciously put in the message of like, don't ever let someone tell you you don't deserve something that you just really, really want. Because like, what the hell is that even? <laughs> <laughs> like, He didn't put in any work or effort. Heath Ledger was just like, no, no, no. If you really, really want something, don't ever let someone tell you you don't deserve it. I'm like, well, hold up. Why does he deserve anything in this situation? Okay. <laughs> Cameron sucks, right? Yeah. He's the villain of this like, movie. I French for you. I'm like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, you're, you th- you're thinking of Cameron is the villain of Ferris Bueller. You're, you're confusing your Cameron. So you villain. pretended to be a French tutor. You didn't learn French for her. Like this movie from the female perspective is a horror movie. I, I don't want to get like out of order here, but in the end, when he 
wins the little sister and they're like going sailing or whatever. And the other sister's like crying on the porch. She's like, she okay? And I'm like, no, dude, you you paid somebody <laughs> to pretend to like her, like want to date her. You psychologically no. manipulated so Grant, many people. He didn't pay someone. He tricked someone into paying <laughs> right. someone. He didn't right. want to call he, cash. He's like a sociopathic manipulator to the highest degree in this. Because he saw this girl one time. I was like, I gotta bang her. I got. Like I defended you, and I'm like, yeah. Why did you do that? That was the first time you saw her. This person that knows her is like she's full of herself and super. And you're like, no, she's beautiful. That has nothing to do with their personality <laughs> traits, which you do not know what they are. Cameron is the bad guy. Yeah. And then he gets to know her like a little bit. And the, like the first real conversation they have, he's like, you're actually like super conceited. You can't treat people badly just because you're hot. She's like, oh, I would make out with you then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Any conversation that's difficult, I start kissing the person. I shut up. That is a lot of. That is the first move for multiple characters. Um, Okay, okay, okay. So to back it up, this the most of the interest in that I have in the movie still today that I find interesting about the movie rather today um, comes from the adaptation and the source material. Tame of the Shrew gets adapted a lot because the dialogue and it's really good it has it's basically just doing screwball comedy Mm. um it has like a a witty repartee between the two people but the gender politics of it are fucking brutal (laughs) um it's like by any definition of today's standards pretty horrible abuse (laughs) that a dude is doing to an outspoken lady to like get her to chill out and just agree with him (laughs) whose biggest offense in the school was i guess having opinions (laughs) However, (laughs) what's cool about this movie is how it pushes back against a lot of the source material, and it's not so much that Cat has to be a different person that, like, agrees with everyone, Mm. um, because Cat doesn't really have to change. It's just that, like, you know, she, 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 like, allows herself to be a little more vulnerable with a couple people. Yes. And that's really it, but she's, like, outspoken... There's a bit of a parody element to her version of feminism where there's like a black guy who's like, oh, yeah, it must be really tough. I was going to say, I really do enjoy the the teacher seeds and like him like kind of putting that back into perspective. Yes. Yeah. But I still it's just she gets to be like a real character. I think Julia Stiles like really does more than, um, you know, replacement level stuff on this, by which I mean the director wanted to cast Katie Holmes. This movie would have been terrible. Um, yes. yeah, because she just can't do this, this kind of prickly thing that, you know, Julie Styles just gets to exist as this person in the world who is outspoken about this thing, these things, and never has to apologize for that. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest with you, when I first watched this, when I was younger and shittier, clearly, I thought she was like a bitch, you know, and I was like, she's very much deserved in the way people yeah. are, are treating her and watching it as an adult. I'm like, I don't really think she's done anything particularly offensive except for just mm-hmm. like have opinions that are t- different than what's being presented in yeah. the class. But nobody in the class had any other opinions. They didn't want to say shit. She was the only one providing anything. So even the teacher was being a little harsh. Like nobody else was participating in that classroom either. So would you rather just yes. everyone shut the fuck up? She, she, she just feels like someone who just like really wants to get out of her small town. Yes. And but go do other 
stuff that's interesting to her. I think that's also a credit to her acting that like you kind of got that like a little bit of bitchiness, I guess. I don't know. I think yeah. she did kind of put some of that into that. For sure. Yeah. But it, it's like it, it's because she wants to be a little bitchy. <laughs> um, But yeah, I uh, so I think that's pretty cool. And what happens when I watch this movie these days, I guess uh, this is the first time I watched it in a while, but I guess it's been pretty recently is that it is, and it's not just the tone. It's just so very weird for a while. It, it wins me over by about halfway through the movie, I think, but it is, uh, I wouldn't say like an uphill struggle or anything, but it is hard to get on the same level as it. And what eventually wins me over is just that she and Heath Ledger have really good chemistry. Well, and that's the thing. It's <laughs> like you want to root for them because you don't really feel like I, I, Heath Ledger wasn't really playing the game. He was just doing his own thing that yeah, happened to him. Yeah, doing his own thing and just accepting money along the way. That's like, it didn't feel like he, like they paid him, but they weren't like, I guess they did do a little bit of the intel and stuff like that, right? But like, I think for the at least first half of the movie, he is just in it for for cash. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, I will be honest. There's a a lot of times where I we watched this movie, where I was just like, man, this movie is fucked up. <laughs> this is so yeah, fucked, fucked up. up. <laughs> this is so fucked up. And then there's also kind of for me goes back to the adaptation thing, which is like, it is. I wouldn't say it's burdened because they chose to adapt Taming of the Shrew, but it is sort of fighting with the structure of that of like hanging so like, okay, how do we modernize that and make it fun? So, and it's in like, there's some tension there on how you adapt it. And it's, I guess what they do is like the stuff that's really bad, just try and make it really big. So like the dad being so ridiculously strict, make him like cartoonish. So I've, and I've it doesn't never, feel as shitty. I've never dealt with the source material. So can you give us like a high level of like, what is the Taming of the Shrew like? Yeah, so it's a Petruchio, Patrick. Um, he has, uh, it's like this courtship thing, and it's an outspoken woman, and he does not care for that. Um, so he, like, uh, like doesn't let her eat for a while. Is that the dad? Uh, no, that's, that's like, the, the Heath Ledger character. Okay. Um, and, like, really fucks with her. And then eventually she's just like so tired that and she's basically like been brainwashed that she just like agrees with the dude. And we're all like, yay, the man won. Okay, interesting. So uh, so this comes pretty far from the source material because Heath Ledger never really starves her. No, I don't. No, he doesn't do that. And eventually he's just kind of like what what he kind of falls for is just like, oh, this is someone who like is sort of on a similar level to me. We can kind of like get along outside of like even a romantic context. He does what he finds entertaining regardless of what other people think and she does the same. Yeah. Two two things. First, I assume Taming the Shrew was something more like training an animal, like a, the little oh, thing. No, the woman is All the right. shrew. I just had never read it before. I assumed it without, it was, you know. And uh, the other one when he's fucking gaslighting her mad hard when she's like, well, why do you want to go to prom? And he's like, cause I want to go and you, why you're being a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> you're accusing me. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that was like, that was one time I was like, this is so fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one time where, as you were mentioning that thing about him, like not giving her food immediately thought of that scene where he's like yelling at her for yes. like, and yeah. I like, cause he's got, I do, caught. Yeah, cause yeah. he got caught. I do appreciate that. She just like clocks it immediately. 
And yes. it's like, oh, well, fuck you then. And it just walks out on him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But then she does decide she's wrong later and apologizes. And he's like, thanks for apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is fucked. She doesn't really decide she's wrong. She's just sort of like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I think she says something like, oh, you know, I'm sorry for whatever, like doubting you or I, I forget. Something what like that. Yeah. Um, oh, the, the cartoon dad, though, I felt like that also gave me like serious 90s vibes. I feel like all the 90s dads for a while were very concerned with their the impregnation of their daughters. That was like a thing. There was a lot of punchlines around that. And it's so weird. I really like don't like it at all. The, hey, yeah. we knocked up your sister. That was pretty hilarious. That was that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's like how do you solve for why would people who aren't in some sort of cults not be allowed to date as you know high schoolers? The one thing I did oh, like. I mean, that's just like half of the churches around here. <laughs> yeah, but if you don't want to introduce that into the story, then <laughs> the how do you solve I, for that? I in really like what movie? they did was that they made him. Uh, a doctor delivering babies because normally it's all it's just it's it, honestly it was already like a 90s thing that like dads had this weird thing about their daughter's sex lives but him the fact that he keeps mentioning like that it's because he delivers the babies all the time i i don't Do know, you know i like what that, that daughter meta. said to me like i yes. regret my life choices and blah blah blah, blah, blah. Yeah. i should have made my, my like <laughs> cracked out boyfriend wear a condom she says <laughs> I was like oh, that's pretty close <laughs> I should have listened to my father. Maybe she did not say that. The, well, she uh, would have if she wasn't so doped up. As <laughs> like cringy as that is, those scenes were some of the funniest in the movie. Yes, the scenes yeah. with the dad are some of the funniest in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like his performance. They did like a, not even a reboot, but like a kind of a sequel or something. And he's the only one that came back. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Eleven. Things yeah, I think it was just you. a different cast doing the same story, but they were like, "Well, he can come back again. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to get better than that guy." Fair. Um, we should mention just because he was also in an episode last month, uh, David Crumholtz, who plays the nerdy friend who looks to be forty, but is only a couple years older than Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, the the nerdy guy who gets a oh, dick drawn yeah, on his okay. face. Yep. Who has like a random moment of like slapstick action on the bicycle? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> just like unprompted. Yeah, like, very not, random. It doesn't move the plot forward whatsoever. <laughs> and everyone kind of cheers. It's like, oh, it just a fun thing that happened that day for everyone in attendance. <laughs> it's just because like you kind of imagine like them going through like an editing like checklist, like looking at scenes, like all right, is this necessary? Is this and like somebody gave an argument for why that scene needed to stay into the movie, and it probably boiled down to like. No, that's fun, right? <laughs> uh, one of the Teen Choice Awards that got nominated for was like funniest scene, and it was hit, it was just him that was nominated. I couldn't find like the nineteen ninety nine Teen Choice Awards to review Weird. what happened, but I was like, it's probably that scene because I don't know what else you would nominate only him for. Maybe it's a <laughs> no, because then would be but the then other guy. Be, there'd be two people in it. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Not Funny. gonna lie, Robbie. When I was uh, watching that scene, I could just think of. You driving your car over that thing. <laughs> that was all I could think of the whole time. Wait, so did this did this happen to Robbie? Yes. <laughs> kind of more intentionally, and it was to knock down a fence. My car got stuck on the hill. Ah. Had to have the janitor tell me out. Well. Gaslit the school resource officer into thinking the fence was just falling down before I started doing yeah, that. <laughs> that'll happen. Oh, and the, the movie that David Crumholz was in Walk Hard, the movie we did last month. No. Um, yeah, is uh, he has a very older energy. 
but I think he's only like 22. And most of the people are 19 or 18. And the oldest, oh, the oldest person there is Ga- uh, Gabrielle Union. She's 26 when they record this. Okay. Record Who's podcast that? brain. She's just the friend, Bianca's friend who ends oh. up with the, the preppy douche guy. Are you sure the dude whose house they have the wine and cheese party at isn't the oldest? Cause he looks like he's legit like 50. Yeah. <laughs> just like balding a little bit. Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> Ah, uh, that'll be whoever with the brie, and everyone runs in. Classic teen movie. He came in up. with the brie, though. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, That's very good. He did, yeah. The, the guy was like at the front of the pack with a big plate of cheese. That's fantastic. <laughs> Can you take that outside, please? Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, let's do the plot a little bit, I guess. Um, like you said, Cameron, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's the new kid in school, we open with him and Allison Janney, the guidance counselor's office. And he's like, this, this looks, this doesn't seem good. This place seems terrible. And she's like, all right, go to class. Um, and he immediately sees a girl he hasn't talked to yet and is defending her personality, uh, to David Crumholz. He's like, that person sucks. Um, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to bang her. Yep. I will legit destroy people's lives if I have to. <laughs> Uh, Kremlitz sort of like latches on to him because he doesn't have any friends and like sees a new kid and is like, oh, I'll go be friends with that new kid. Um, yeah. And then, uh, what's going on is Julia Stiles is dishing out some feminist talking points in her class about what authors they should be reading. Uh, Heath Ledger is the bad boy and everyone's scared of him. He's not even here yet. Right. We haven't even. I was kind of setting up. Yeah. You know, we see the douchey guy. What's the douchey guy's name? I'm assuming, I think it's yeah. Johnny or something. Heath, Heath Ledger comes into the guidance counselor's office as oh, yeah, JGL's yeah. leaving. Uh, yeah. Joe, sorry. <laughs> I don't know his name, but I recognize him from Saved by the Bell. So I was just like, Slater's such a dick. But is that even the same actor? No. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. <laughs> You're thinking of Michael J. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looks like Slater, though, no? Uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is this is a different man. (laughs) I might just be face blind. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I was waiting for that douchey guy to get punched in the face because the teacher every time you see the teacher mentions about how he's excited for him to get punched in the face, and I was like, oh, I'm excited for this guy to get punched in the face now too. Yeah, that that pays off. Yeah, I I was like, yeah. and then no one does anything about it when it happens, just like the teacher said. Yes, Slater's <laughs> Mario Lopez. Yeah, I was gonna say I I double check because I was like, that's Mario Lopez for sure. Who's at least ten years older than this kid. <laughs> um, What's the other guy's name? He's not in a lot of stuff. Not Mario Lopez. <laughs> we can't get hung up on whether or not this child is Mario Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, I, we're not spending any more than 10 15 minutes yet. Yeah. <laughs> One of these children is <laughs> Mario Lopez. So, <laughs> so, what's happening throughout these? Okay, go ahead. He's, his name is Joey, and he was Andrew Keegan, yeah. if that means anything. But we were looking for the name. The name was Joey. Joey. Oh, okay. I thought you were I was close with Johnny. Name. Yeah. Um, yeah, Joey. Um, anyway. <laughs> He doesn't look like that guy. One, th- one thing that's happening <laughs> is they're they're putting a lot of the actual words from Tammy the Shrew into the mouths of mm. 
the nerdy kids. Yes. Um, and maybe not a lot, but every now and then it happens. Like, and then someone will be like, you can't say that. That sounds so stupid. You know, I did not realize. I forgot that this month was teen things adapted. And every now and then they'd say something. And I was like, that's a really weird thing to say. And then the other characters would be like, that's a really weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah, please please don't like, say that near me. People can hear you. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's funny. You know, I didn't even think like this is words out of a play. <laughs> yeah, it happens. I didn't either. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's that's happening, and pretty soon they devise a plan. Well, they start with a simple plan, and then it sort of escalates from there. Krumholtz and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are like, okay, I'm going to pretend to be a French tutor, because we all need know that she needs a French tutor. I guess that's just the word on the street. Um, you know, you just the goss. Yep. So he tries to do that, and then like immediately they they go over like one French word. He doesn't know it because he doesn't speak French. Amelia asks her out instead. She's like, "I can't date because of this," and he's like, "Oh, okay." So then, while he's giving her fake French lessons in order to like keep spending time with her, they decide that she needs to her sister, rather played by Julie Stiles, needs to go on a date because when she goes on a date, the sister that people actually want to date can go on dates. So they, at first, themselves try to approach Heath Ledger, who they're scared of, and drills a hole in their book on French. Uh, and I then, also like that the French, he has the French book for the rest of the movie, and it has the hole on it. Yep. <laughs> and like he's it's using really nice it. Detail. <laughs> like, it is a nice detail. <laughs> uh, decide they need to pay him, but they don't have any money. So they instead uh, convince the jerky guy who is also rich to pay Heath Ledger to do this. I really wish I had more information on what exactly they mean, but apparently Andrew Keegan, who plays Joey, <laughs> um, didn't know how to draw dicks because during the scene where Krumholtz is trying to pitch him on the plan, he's drawing a dick on his face. Yep. And it's just like a tidbit of information that's like, he didn't know how to draw dicks, so Krumholtz had to show him how to do it himself on his own face, I guess. And it's like... What do you mean? <laughs> what did like the script call for it? And they got there and he just like froze and is like, I've never heard of this concept before. <laughs> I, I just assumed all all boys were born with an innate like not not even yeah. like knowledge, but desire. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone's like Jonah Hill and Superbad, just like, compulsively drawing dicks. I mean, at a certain point in every boy's life, I feel like they've gone through a I'm gonna draw a, a decent amount of dicks. <laughs> Maybe that's I know it wasn't just me. There was more people in our friend group that was doing the dick drawing. So it was never my thing, but certainly like if someone was paying me and my job was to draw a dick, I wouldn't be like, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> yeah. I can't do this. You're going to have to show me what you're talking about. Cause that sounds like an alien concept to me. This sounds like something I would say to someone to watch them draw a dick on their face. <laughs> I just maybe. can't do this. Huh. Yeah. Maybe no one no one ever realized it was a joke and then eventually he maybe it started happening and then he felt bad and he had just to go with it, maybe. Uh, see one that. of those things. He's like, Oh, thank you so much for showing me. I feel really bad about this. Anyway, so the dumb guy then has to convince Heath Ledger. It's a it's a multi tiered structure <laughs> uh, to this conspiracy. Um and he does. All fucked up. They negotiate up to fifty bucks. Heath Ledger tries to flirt with Cat a couple times, doesn't really work. Then he ups his fee to a hundred bucks a date. 
And uh, I really liked his math when he was talking about the movies because he was spot on with those prices. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I take her to the movies. That's, you know, at least 15 bucks. I was like, oh, I wish the tickets were still that cheap. He's like, then popcorn, that's 75. And I'm like, damn, he's right. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, the whole time I've seen this, I was like, oh, I get it because he's the dumb kid. That's why his math's all wrong. He's about to lose money on this deal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they eventually decide, okay, she's not just going to go out with you just because you say she should to her. Um, let's let's snoop in her stuff and figure it out. The sister's in on it now, too. Yep. They break yes. into her room. They go through all her stuff. She's got some interesting theories on the college underwears and what they mean. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's... Uh, I'm sure a lot of teens at the time sort of filed that away. Like, Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Good to know. Good to know. (laughs) This is important. (laughs) Yeah. Good to know. Um, and then through that, they find out that she hates smokers, loves feminist poetry and likes indie rock groups fronted by women. Mm. Yes. And then, Oh, the first, and then they're like, you got to go to club skunk. And he's like, I hate going to club skunk. And like, you got to go to club skunk. Like, where are all um, these high school clubs? Yes. <laughs> Seattle? Uh, he's, they're also, he's also in like a bar later. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's at a, he's at a biker bar playing like pool or something. Uh-huh. Um, also in their super nice neighborhood in Seattle. <laughs> and yeah. So. I do like, I think we missed this already, but when I think the nerdy friend is talking to him and they keep mentioning all the rumors they hear about him, like... Oh, you are because uh, that's in the bar. He's like, you know, you shouldn't be drinking like without liver. He's like, yeah. what? He doesn't. He sold his liver. I'm like, you can't not have a liver. Yeah, he, I think he said something about the duck too at some point. Uh, beak a, to tail. Yeah, he ate, he ate a duck live. Yes. It, yeah, he ate a duck and he said everything except the the beak and the feet. Yes, but I think he makes a comment to him at some point about the duck. Oh well, yes, it's he, when he the, tries to have a conversation. He's like, "Oh, I had some great duck last night." Yes, that's what that's, that's when the rich guy like sidles up to him to pitch him on it. And he's like, "I yes. had some great duck last night." Yes, yes. What? I do like that. That the rumors keep coming up. <laughs> yes, about both of them, about cat too. Yes. Later, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is basically just what's going on, and it's like a rom com. They're going on, kind of, uh, not really a date. He just is also at the concert. And then, like, says some stuff about uh, indie rock groups fronted by women. And she's like, you know them? And he's like, you don't? Yes. He's, he's got some light stalking happening as well. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Bikini Kill and the Raincoats are the ones he name drops. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so raincoats. it's not just lying and nope. manipulation. It is some stalking as well. And uh, Club Skunk is the first place where Letters to Cleo appears, doing one of their own songs. There's multiple times in the movie where... Julie Styles says, "Cat is like, oh, that's my favorite band." It's like, oh, I can't believe uh, you got them to come or whatever, and they never say the name of the band. Oh, so nice. they must not have been paid that much or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but in this scene, they are performing a Letters to Cleo song, so I don't know. Was this cruel to be kind? No, that's at the the. Uh, that's Prom. the better because I remember being like, "This is my favorite band." And I was like, "This is a cover of an '80s song." <laughs> but- yeah, yeah. Cruel to be kind is at the prom. Then they're covering I Want You to Want Me on the roof in the end credits. All letters to Cleo three different times. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So uh talked about that. I don't think I've talked about it on a pod before. Maybe just with people in real life. 
Um, I'll have to go back to the Josie episode to see if it was last week. But like one of my favorite genres of music is um, indie rock front uh, band fronted by a woman that sounds like a s- music that would play at the end of a teen comedy. Um, it's a hard category. However, I do not think their cover of "I Want You to Want Me" is uh, is in that is in that uh, category. Fair. Mm, yeah. I thought the Cruel to Be Kind one was pretty good. Yes. That's closer to it, yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, stuff happens. Then they're, you know, doing whatever. <laughs> Stuff's going on. Things. Yeah, things happen. So. One after the other. That's when he, I think that's when she actually agrees to go on a date with him. Yes. You know, it is funny because they kept showing the band and I was like, they show the band enough that I should, I feel like I should know who they are. <laughs> um, yeah, I was in the, maybe in 1999 you would have. Well, it was more like I knew that they were, it was more than just like actors like playing a band. I was like, this is a real band, I think, but I don't know who. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. I like when they go on the date and they do the like checking if the rumors are true. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good scene too. But it's the, the, the free beer party happens first. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. the party scene's good. Good classic teen movie party scene. Um, the scene where the part of it where she's dancing is like blocked really well. Actually, it's interestingly shot. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just like slightly better than replacement level and a lot of uh, a lot of stuff like like the the way it's shot. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of drama, a lot of teen angst happening. I uh, several times I was like, wow, this her uh, cat. I was like, wow, she's angsty. A lot of teen angst. Um, when they're leaving to go to this party is the first time the her little Bianca is like yelling at her like please just go so I can go to this party or not and she's like no I'm not doing that she's like please just do it for me and there's like a, a long conversation about it where she's like doesn't want to go and then she's thinking about it and Bianca really wants her and finally she says yes and then they open the door to leave and Heath Ledger is there and he's like you remember I said I'd pick you up at this time for the party and the sister isn't like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> Why did you make me bad? <laughs> you were always going. <laughs> and I feel yeah. Like, oh yeah, it was actually. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I did forget because this is when he sees the sister. You gotta wear the belly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Your sister. <laughs> so casual about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, she but insists you- on driving, um, and I think that's actually Heath Ledger's car. Oh, like his real car? Yeah, I guess that was just his car. Mm-hmm. Huh. Nice. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Does anyone have a car here? Yeah, but I, I really like that that she did like have to yes. beg her. Like, what the fuck? Okay. It, it is pretty soft. Your date was waiting at the door. <laughs> you made him wait so I could beg. All right, but it's gonna cost you. <laughs> and I like um they briefly show like Joseph Gordon Levitt. And uh, David Crumholtz getting ready for the party. And he like doesn't know if he should wear a tie or something. I haven't been to a party since Chuck E. Cheese. Yes. <laughs> it was really good, though. <laughs> yeah, there's never been a point in your life so far where you should have worn a tie to a party. <laughs> he just doesn't know. <gasps> he doesn't know. Oh, so, the, this is the party where uh, Bianca bails on Cameron, too, and he's like devastated. <laughs> yeah, everyone has a bad time at this party. Everyone has a bad time at this party. Um... This is after her dance sequence. Cat is like almost passing out because she gets a concussion. Yes, uh, and is also very drunk. And so then there's a nice-ish moment on the swings with Heath Ledger and her. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Trying to keep her awake. Yeah, I was. I feel like it's really burned into my brain when she's like, you know what they say? And he's like, I don't know. What do they say? And then she looks over and she's very asleep. <laughs> um, you can't sleep with a concussion. This movie is the reason that I'm pretty sure you die if you sleep when you get a concussion. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I watched this movie at a knowledge. formative age, and that's one of the things. Yeah, I found out very recently, very, very recently, that it's not as big of a deal as we were made out mm-hmm. to be. Like you, Damn can. you, Heath Ledger. <laughs> well, you have to sleep at some point, right? The concussion doesn't just go away. You never sleep. <laughs> you have to stay awake for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I said before, this apparently is the scene that gets her cast in Save the Last Dance, which comes out in 2001. Uh, yeah. And that was the last dance. So you don't think that advice is good that Heath gives to Joe? No. <laughs> Not even a little bit. No? No. <clears throat> You're, the spirit it, of it is is kind of there. I mean, you're not we're not supposed to think that Heath Ledger's like the most uh, mature person. No, I no. think in the '90s they genuinely thought that was a good message. Yeah, they genuinely thought it was when the manifestation bullshit started too. It was just if you really want something hard enough, you deserve it, and like. He, that's not true. Like it, it's true at all. It's not true. Especially if the thing you want is not a physical object you can own, but another person. For sure. <laughs> and I think this is also the part where he says something to the camera, like you're you're like a just you're a way better man than he is, or something. I'm like I don't know, dude. He is he's he's paying you to absolutely destroy somebody emotionally <laughs> are you sure he's better than the douchey guy i know the douchey guy is douchey <laughs> douchey guy is just living his life i don't think he's aware he's douchey joe knows better like, joe, joe knows better he's joe intelligent is evil. enough to know what he's doing joe is wrong. Evil. <laughs> yeah and that's he's just got that baby face though so he does he does it's low-key but yeah, like especially when we're talking about a person, like it's ex- especially bad. But like the message really needs to be like if you've worked for so- I don't I don't even I don't like the I word deserve to be Sorry. honest with you. I think if people got what they deserve, they'd largely be dead. But- <laughs> <laughs> so he, he doesn't if Joe got what he deserved, it would not have went well for him in this movie. What, like deserve is not a word we should use that frequently. No. So I mean it's like maybe, never deserve a person is <laughs> maybe it softens it, maybe it doesn't, but he doesn't say you deserve that lady. He says, Don't let people tell you that you don't deserve something you want, right? <laughs> Yeah, but like you can and should be told that sometimes. (laughs) But like Like, also in context, no one has told him that. I want (laughs) a Nobel Prize. You don't deserve a Nobel Prize, Robbie, because you've done nothing to to contribute to humanity like that. And that's a correct statement that you should tell me if I'm like being an asshole because nobody's given me a Nobel Prize. You haven't donated (laughs) enough to the government. I'm an asshole, Robbie, all the time, but not having a Nobel Prize. Maybe I wouldn't be such a dick if they gave me a Nobel Prize already. (laughs) Why does he keep bringing this up? (laughs) It's like, have you done anything? It's like, no, not at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not it's not the best message, but at least it's like he's trying to bond with Cameron in that moment. It's, it's nice a, it's to a see. Nice moment. Yeah, it, 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 it is like he probably he's like I have to deal with that a lot more than you. So here's like the first thing that comes to mind, advice wise. <laughs> it's also a teenager giving another teenager advice. I, I, you know? I agree that the message is bad, but I did like that part of the movie. Yeah, actually, yeah. It, yeah. I, it's a good moment for the two of them, and it's like one of the first times that Heath Ledger is like soft with somebody. Yes, for sure. It, it's, and he is like genuinely trying to take care of Julie's though. It, it's service And he's level. genuinely trying to help Joe too. Not a bad message either because it's basically like don't let the popular kids in school say you're not good enough. 
or something yes. along those yes. lines, yeah, which you, I you get. don't have value or whatever. I'm just doing it for the bit because I think it's very funny to examine it deeper. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, we're in a podcast talking about it. So, yeah, this is all farce. <laughs> it's all been a bit. It's all been a bit. This has all been a bit. Always has been. You guys have never checked, but the, none of these episodes have ever been released. Oh, my God. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We really don't have any way to verify the numbers you told us. Oh, yeah, there's 52 more people listen to it. Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple. The party's pretty much dying down, and Heath Ledger needs to get Julia Stiles home. Um, and so there's a back-to-back car drop-off uh, scenes. She realized very quickly that uh, Joe or Joey was very uninteresting. Yeah, he's he's doing his posing and stuff, which it's all good stuff for like watching the movie. But like, if you're putting yourself in her shoes, you're like, oh yeah, it turns out this guy sucks. <laughs> this is horrible. This would just be my life all the time. Yeah. Um, so he goes to an after party with uh, Gabriel Union. It was just like down to be like, well, you had your chance. Obviously, this guy's like the real prize. I'm, I'm, you know, later. Uh, so she needs to ride home from Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Meanwhile, Heath Ledger and Julie Stiles get back to the house. They, they, have, it's a nice moment that then she's like, kind of goes in for a kiss and he sort of stops it because she's drunk. And, you know, this movie came out in a different century. There's a lot of fucked up shit I'll do. But lightly kissing a drunk girl. That's good. He can't can't get consent. No, I know. This movie came out last century. It was was very good. You know, come on. I didn't think it was because she was drunk. I thought he felt bad that he was being paid to bring her out. Either way. I I, I definitely thought it was the drunk thing. Oh, see, I I thought because she seemed like she wasn't drunk anymore for whatever reason. Gotcha. Uh. And I did keep thinking, I was like, why are these girls drinking? Their dad's definitely breathalyzing them when they get home, right? (laughs) What are they thinking? That's fair. Also, they're probably due back home at like 10 o'clock. So they've only had like two hours to get this drug and get back home. Yeah, Yeah, because she's like, seems totally fine now. They're very small teen girls. It probably doesn't take a ton of alcohol. But yeah, I, I assumed he's feeling bad that he's been accepting money to like that. He's emotionally destroying this lady. I could see that. That's also a good. That's what I thought too. And it's yeah. the '90s. I don't think they cared about kissing when drunk. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's uh, we can make a positive statement on that <laughs> based on American Pie again. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like it's coming out around the same time as that. Is slightly, you know, maybe more informed. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, but then uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt stands up for himself as he's dropping off Bianca, and uh, and she's like, "Oh, this guy has some like positive." Uh, attributes too, maybe, and so she kisses. Also, why does he think? What what does he deserve from her? Like, he, what did she owe him at that point? Precisely? Yeah, why? Why she doesn't like you, dude? Why? It, why she, you're just her French tutor. He seemed to be upset that his background plans hadn't gone off exactly as he anticipated and without yeah, communicating to her about it. It's, he a didn't even communicate to her his interest at that point, really, except for the one date suggestion. Yeah. And he's, Which she turned down. And he's like, you never even wanted to go sailing with me, did you? It's like so weirdly specific, dude. Um, <laughs> he's brought up your most he's recent creep. daydream. Yeah. He's a creep. He's evil. He's the villain. I'm sure of it. Yeah. He, yeah, fine. You could definitely make a nice guy's post from his perspective. <laughs> it's a yes. nice guy thing, right? Yes, it totally is. Yes. Yes. That's all I could think about I mean, yep. during that. 100%. Yeah. Well, okay. And so- he's being pouty about it the whole time, too. Like, even giving her the ride home, he's like, 
uh, he's doing it still. He's like, I'm such a nice guy doing this, and I'm the, she doesn't deserve me. And uh, yeah. this this isn't a movie that's going to deconstruct the nice guy thing. So the nice guy just is a nice guy. But like we talked about Scott Pilgrim recently, so mm-hmm. so that's like you know that's what he grows up to be in like five years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. She got another little sister. <laughs> and then like. <laughs> Yeah, and then Bianca will be like Kim when he's just like, oh, yeah, we're cool now. <laughs> and she's like, we're not cool. <laughs> he emotionally I, I destroyed my sister. <laughs> yeah, I hate that guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's probably true, but this is not going deep on that because I think that character is just... A lot of these are like archetypes that they put a 90s, you know, shine on. Yes. Yeah. Um. And then pretty soon after that, Kat's, there's a few scenes where Kat's just mad that, not that he didn't kiss her, but just that she like was vulnerable and rebuffed and she's just embarrassed. Mm. And her reaction to being embarrassed is just to like shut him out basically. Uh, so he needs to make a grand gesture and then it turns into one of the, either the most or the second most famous scene in the movie. Mm. Um, did you guys know about this? Because I know you mentioned the poem before. I didn't know about this. Uh, I knew about this scene. I did not realize it was in this movie. Yes. So he does Frankie Valley's Can't Take My Eyes Off of You on the, you know, it's some high schools just have like stadium seating. Oh, for sure. Just into the hillside. Yeah. Uh, 20,000 people or so. And uh, yeah, so this is just Heath Ledger, just, you know, megawatt star charisma. His first American movie, a lot of times first people seen him. And now he's, this, this is what makes him very famous, I think. Fantastic. Going forward. It's this a is, cool scene. This is, like this this is some real, real ass a-list star shit. Uh, we just don't have people who do this kind of thing. I love watching like the security try to like take him out while yeah. he's still like singing and dancing. And, and then they, like they finally the get him the and then he like breaks out and he runs away again. Yeah. He's really good. He's doing like like show tune running yeah, yeah. to sort of taunt them I guess. Yeah. With the like straight leg kick kind of thing. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I like it works. That scene. It was fun. Grand gestures are good. And you just think of like He's he's nineteen doing this. Mm. We don't we don't we we're not making there's there's no pipeline for people to break out in any kind of roles like this anymore. Mm. I just consider breakout for him, Julie Styles, and Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah, um, mm. and I don't know, but you know, comedies at large don't really get made anymore. Teen movies just go straight to Netflix. Um, it's 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 tough out there. I don't know how people get famous anymore, and I guess they don't really. Well, I guess comedies don't get made anymore. No. That's concerning. Yeah. <laughs> so mm. Something we talked a little bit about on last week's episode was like, yeah, they don't make them like this anymore. And it's like, yeah, they don't make comedies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> comedies don't get into theaters if they're made. So. Huh. Don't like that. Nope. I guess. Yeah. Uh, Seth Rogen's in a new uh, show. It's... Uh, just on streaming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a TV show. It's not like you'd go see it in a theater anyway, but you get, you get my point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, this is just straight up star shit. But then he has detention. The detention teacher got shot in the ass with an arrow earlier. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> that was really good. Cause that she just good. like turns and lets the arrow loose. <laughs> yeah. And then she does not react in any way. But, Nobody yeah, just, like wants he's just to falling down in the background. Everyone else is still just like doing it. Well, some people like run over to him, but Eventually, she's just yeah. like uh, she yeah, just continues on doing what she's doing. But yeah, this is the detention teacher who's also the gym teacher who's also the soccer coach. I guess. Yes. 
Um, and so then Julie Styles plan to release cat. I don't know. Full names only yep. funnier, I guess, um, to release Heath Ledger from detention is to, uh, distract misdirect and then eventually just flash the teacher. Yes. I did not like this. this scene. <laughs> I didn't either. Did so, not age well. Super on brand for her character, right? Like uh-huh. just strong, independent, feminist, liberated. You know, shows her breasts at the first opportunity to distract somebody. <laughs> I just tried like normal distraction techniques, at least like three first. They were all kind of hitting on him too, which was kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. It just it didn't feel like something her character would do. <laughs> I don't know. She really wanted to get him out of his attention. So, you know, this is the one thing where I'm like, okay, the logistics here, because they just do the, they do an immediate cut and they're on paddle boats. <laughs> and you're like, okay, logistically, it's been at least an hour. And then they just talk about like, oh, let's reflect on the most recent thing that happened to us. It's like, no, you guys had to, you got out of school, you had to drive down to the waterfront, you had to rent a paddle boat. You would have had this conversation by Honestly, now. Honestly, <laughs> I was immediately like, are there paddle boats just like right outside the school? Yeah, <laughs> the school the, is on a fucking that's the only huge, option. it's a waterfront school. Let's <laughs> paddle boat out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's, our, it's our getaway jump, car. Jump out the window. There's a paddle boat waiting. <laughs> I'll catch up. What do you mean you'll it's catch like up? Docks. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, and it's just... It's really, it's a really goofy place to have like a real conversation because you're both <laughs> on a fucking paddle boat. I did really just paddle in a way. I really liked the before that where the teacher like singles the guy out that's clearly high to take his sash. Yeah. And he also takes someone's Cheetos. And I'm confiscating these two. These two. His delivery on these two is really funny. It's really good, yeah. Um, but yes, I think that's the most like. Not not even cringy, but just like the most unintentionally funny bit is just like quick cut. We're on a we're on a getaway paddle boat, <laughs> and we're having a conversation that we either would have had by now, or like you said, there was a paddle boat outside that window. <laughs> yes, it was like a thing. It was. I like day. to I like to picture a rope down from detention in the, like a paddle boat. No one would have yeah. made that fucking scene after they finished their important kind of like I think because this is when they're talking like about who they are. I think this is when she asked him like. It might have been where she asked him like really where he was last year or something. Yeah. Mm. And after it, the camera zooms out a bit and the teacher's on a paddle boat, get back here. <laughs> He's like, you know, 50 feet behind him. Or just like look, paddle past look, looking out the window. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want him on a boat. And I do like, I guess they're not really, they don't have a destination in mind. They're just pedaling the paddle boat. And then he's, uh, I forget which one of them says to the other one, that's like, oh, you ready for that or whatever? And they point and then like it cuts to the sign for a paint balloon range. Yeah. Yes. I thought it was paintball for sure. And then they had these, I was like, is this a balloon? <laughs> well, it's Seattle in the 90s. Yeah. Seems very Seattle in the 90s. Yeah. Everyone's listening to Sub Pop. We're all throwing paint balloons at each other. Uh, Greg was like, did did, was, did this happen? Did, did we do this? I don't understand. Seems fun, I guess. Um, but so the reason this scene works so well is just that they're really fucking good together. Mm. Um, and uh, I mean, for me, at least, I guess your mileage can vary. But that's for me. I think they're, it's just a sparkling chemistry. I like this scene a lot. And um, I especially love towards the end of the scene. I think it's they kiss. Um and then the camera zooms out. 
and you see that they are the only people doing this activity. (laughs) (laughs) And it seems to just sort of be in a park. There's no like boundaries. There's just like people walking their dogs and it's just them covered in paint, just sprinting around this small paintball looking course. (laughs) What are you guys doing? Uh, (laughs) Just, you know, painting each other. Yeah. It doesn't seem like anyone else is participating in this. Do you rent it out just like on an individual basis? (laughs) Now we're making out in this hay covered in paint. Yep. In the middle of a park. And then they're sitting on the deck, and this is when she's like, you know, kind of calls him on bullshit. But before then, I feel like this is the kind of scene that these movies sort of revolve around, where it's just like these two people, they're sitting on a deck covered in paint just talking. Mm. Like, ah, yeah, this is what people want to see. Um, but then he messes it up. He's pushing up. too. He's pushing too hard for the prom thing. He puts a cigarette in his mouth. She's like, "Oh, you're bullshit." Mm. So, yeah. mm-hmm. I like how he because like so. I've been in relationships where I lie about my smoking before, and uh, I like how he consciously decided to bring the cigarettes with him. Rookie mistake because like <laughs> you're you're gonna make a you're gonna make a subconscious move like that. You gotta leave them at home, man. But you know that makes sense. Yeah, don't even. It's just. You know, it's muscle memory, right? For sure. And I mean, it leaves a very distinct outline. Like she probably could have seen at any point that he had cigarettes on him. This this is one of the scenes where I was watching. And I was like, um, I, I audibly, I think I was like, oh, this is so fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, she recognizes the fucked upness. She doesn't even she doesn't even scratch the surface of how fucked up it is yet. Yeah, they'll unpack it in therapy later. Yeah. <laughs> It's the 90s. There's no therapy. That's true. Oh, so somewhere in this time, the uh, the teacher begins a lecture by rapping and then tells them they all have to write a poem. Yes. Based on yes. that. Based on that song. Um, that, that happened before, but that's just, you know, setting up for the final thing. Anyway. Has he stalked her in the music store yet? I know, I know the light stalking is sprinkled in throughout. Yeah, I, this this happens. I didn't make a note of that because no, that was more montage. The, 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 yeah. That montage I think is after she Prom. she finds out that yeah yeah. I was gonna yes. say it might be. I couldn't remember if it's one his first stalking or the later stalking when he sees her. Because uh, that one's especially creepy because she's listening to music and doesn't acknowledge that he's there. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So he's messing it up. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's not following through on his momentum with Bianca, and she's frustrated about that. Much better at French than he is. Uh, there's, I think yeah. it's it's Kat's friend who is like, I always think of the South Park thing where the uh, Christian music episode, <laughs> where like the record executives are like, you know, it doesn't seem like you you love Jesus. It seems like you're in love with Jesus. <laughs> and he's like, what's the difference? And like for this girl, she's like in love with William Shakespeare. <laughs> Yes. Um, and then somehow David Krumholtz has uh, secreted an entire dress into her locker. It's so funny, though, because I f- like when I first watched the movie, they were like the weirdo couple. And I was like, oh, I'm glad the weirdos found each other. And like on this watch of the movie, it's like, oh, this is the only healthy relationship in this entire series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. I'll agree. It's the only one that doesn't have a lot of baggage. No. It's yeah. just like, oh, you like Shakespeare? That's cool. I'm a nerd. Shakespeare's fine. Like, I'll role play this with you. Like, yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, he's down for costumes. Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. You want to do like Star Wars next week? She'd probably be fine with it. Yeah, yeah. You can give. It's a give and take. You got to work on your relationships. We oh. we know. I'll be. Will you be Le- Leah? We have a good time with it. Yeah. Um. 
Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, I think I had a thought for the end, but we're not quite there yet. So yeah, Bianca really wants to go to the prom, whatever they're talking about. It's sister to sister. It's nice that they do have some moments of understanding where just, you know, for the first almost two thirds of the movie, they're just sort of at odds. But this is where, this is where she, I believe this is where um, Kat tells Bianca that she used to date Joey. Yep. And they had sex once. And then she said she didn't want to anymore, so he dumped her. And yeah. so that's like, um, do you I, remember all those people growing up that like had sex for the first time and they were like, oh, I don't want to do sex anymore. <laughs> I know so many people that had that experience. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, you know what? I actually didn't enjoy. It. No, you know what? That's fine. I'm a guy. Probably this <laughs> is different, but it's just a funny like. I get it. It works for the movie. Honestly. Yeah. And she even says she didn't really want to, but just like everyone else was doing it. She it was pressured mm. the first time. Yeah. I know. It's just the whole 90s had an unhealthy relationship with sex. Yeah. And it's kind of odd to see that sort of confronted like this in a movie mm. for teens. I had trouble connecting with them during the whole like, I want you to go to prom and like help me because all I could think of was like, you know somebody is being paid to take her on these dates you are helping them find information about her. you know she's being emotionally destroyed and you're like come on help me here i'm emotionally killing you help me emotionally kill you please you owe me and i'm really like what is happening i just want to go to prom you're, so you're, you're being a bitch about it yeah. you're being I'm an the only sophomore that's been invited it's like oh so you have multiple other prom opportunities yes i thought that too i was like so you're gonna go to prom without any of your friends yes just one of the title of girl that's gone to prom <laughs> yeah yes so that whole time that was another time i was just like oh this is so fucked up <laughs> pretty fucked up it's fucked up yeah it's a little fucked up um <gasps> yes i mean that's a thing that i don't know if we've i think at this point we have put a fine enough point on it but it really can't be overstated that like she's part of this too she's yes she's, the entire, she's in from the beginning of the plan she is part of this plan yes so, yes um Including like doing some of the recon and like yes. intel gathering. <laughs> she she's in. the part where like she's crying and they walk away. It's like she's gonna be fine. And like he was, she, she's like, I don't know. We, we got what we needed from her. <laughs> right. There's also the part where like he brought, she brought him into her bedroom and they were like looking through his stuff. And he's like, Can I see your room? And she's like, A girl's room is a private place. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's supposed to be funny, but I, I, I was like, oh, this is fine. No. Yeah. So this is now there. So let's just say we're at prom now. Um, she's they were they're mad at each other, but then eventually they do all go to prom. The the sisters are mad at each other because she's like, you should understand what this means to me or whatever. Yes. Anyway, Cat eventually is like, I'll go to prom, and then the daughters, both daughters are going to prom, and the the dad's like, well, it's weird. Yes. But Bianca gets picked up by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yep. And they Which is, that's like a surprise. You don't know who's picking her up. Right. Yeah. And then the prom looks, uh, I mean, it looks like a prom from the late 90s, I guess. Their dresses were so 90s. So 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, letters to Cleo is back. Um, the dad did kind of have a redeeming moment, too, when Joseph Gordon-Levitt picked him up, I guess, because he was like, oh, I've... I thought it was like the the other guy who is supposed to be the. I noticed he does have a moment where he's like, "Oh, this guy's not that bad." Yeah, like, oh, yes. like this is a regular person, my daughter. Because like his his concern, if he had voiced it that way, is like, "You shouldn't be dating this like 
almost, you know, he's a high schooler or like 18 and you're, you know what I mean? It seemed like a senior freshman kind of. Spread. Well, granted, as they're walking to the car, he does yell at Joe and he says, I know every cop in town. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he doesn't totally. It's just 90s dad stuff. <laughs> 90s dad stuff. Um, so it says, looks like stuff's working out for Joe. Looks like stuff's working out for Krumholtz. Because the girl shows up in her Shakespeare dress, and he's I like, do like she says, "I'm like, where's Will?" And the uh, I think Cat says, "I'm like, oh god, it's gone into full hallucinations or something like that." <laughs> yeah, uh, Shakespeare's not here, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, Julie Styles and Heath Ledger are having like a nice time, but you just know there's this like time bomb mm. ticking. He tells her that he was in Milwaukee taking care of his uncle last year. Yeah, he wasn't like in. In, uh, in jail, in or, jail or whatever. So what? at what point in this story do you think Heath Ledger could have preemptively told her this? Because we're at the point where she finds out. Is there a point where you think he could have been like, hey, I'm fucking with Joey. He's taking his money to spend on dates for us, and it's kind of cool. Yes. I think if he pitched it a certain way, she may have been on the same side, but I think she's probably hurt either way. Mm. I think so. I don't think there's a good way, because then... The whole well, start of it's it's definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely worse the longer you don't tell her. Mm-hmm. If like, like when the problem <laughs> it's never going to be like. Well, maybe maybe like when they're having the prom discussion, he's like, "All right, I got to come clean." But I really like you. Yeah, and we can buy you a guitar. I don't know. Ugh. They um, yeah, yeah. I just don't that's maybe that. the moment they had a nice day. I guess. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, guess how you present it to like, Hey, I know I fucked up before we go any further. I have to, <laughs> I don't know. After the first date, I guess it's probably dumped your, his ass. Yeah, probably. But whatever. She likes what she likes. <laughs> um, yeah. No, so first I should say letters to Cleo does come out eventually, but first the band say Ferris is there. It's the nineties. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he's like, I called in a favor and she's like, Oh my God, it's, and she can't say it because I guess legally they can't say the name of the band. Um, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I guess he went to one show and then I don't know. How, that, uh, yeah, they complained about how much he hated that band. Yes. I don't know what this favor is. I don't want They do not. <laughs> this kid but, has a more interesting backstory in life than most like full grown adults I know. So like, it's fine. I just yeah, roll with he it. He doesn't have a liver. <laughs> You hit a full um, dunk. <laughs> but then Kay Hanley from Letters to Cleo like walks right up to them. Yes. And is like, just to be clear, this guy and I are real tight, I guess. My fa- the favor he called it was directly to me, Kay Hanley from Letters to Cleo. Hell yeah. Um, and they're doing a cover of Cruel to be Kind. Anyway. Um, and then Joey walks up to him and is like, yeah, I can't believe like it's all going. I didn't pay you just so this can happen. And then Kat's like, that sucks. And runs <laughs> this out. is fucked up. My oh, life's ruined. Is... I'm gonna, I'm gonna need so much therapy <laughs> the now. The most horrible thing that's ever happened to me. Probably yep. never will. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's real bad. Then she starts running off. But first, you have a brief scene where uh, Joey punches Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and then before he like fights back, Bianca just really beats the hell out of Joey. Yes, I did think. And as Joe the teacher was promised earlier, no one steps in to stop her. Yes. <laughs> Um, and then you're at like the staircase cats running away. She's mad at Heath Ledger. Mm. Um, but including credits, there's only 12 minutes left in the runtime of the movie. So, you know, it's probably going to get resolved soon. Yeah. I was surprised how quickly it gets resolved. They only had 12 minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. It's just her being like, it's fine. Yep. 
pretty much. I, I love it. Like a part of the po- or, or do you? I'll, I'll wait till we get to the poem. Sorry. Yeah, and then it's just like the morning after. Um, Bianca is going sailing with Joe. Yep. Uh, it seems like the sisters are cool now. Uh, Julia Styles is probably shouldn't be. Julia Styles is upset, but has a nice moment with her dad. Yes, yes. I like that. She should go no contact with her sister at this point. I think. <laughs> Did she ever find out that her sister was part of it? I guess she does not. No, I don't think she. She knows. doesn't find out him or her or Cameron are part of it, and they don't care to tell her. Yeah, he very cleverly, you know, he kept his hands clean. <laughs> Seems like it. Yeah. The perfect little American fucked psycho he was. Fucked up <laughs> movie. Yeah. Fucked up. Um, and then we're into uh, the other very famous scene from this movie, uh, the poetry reading. And this is why the movie is called 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> yes. She reads a poem. The 10th thing is she hates how she doesn't hate him. Not I, even I like little. how one of the things not was like, I hate that you didn't call. I'd be like... It- in my defense, I'm I'm monster, and I assumed you'd be traumatized further by that call. <laughs> it's weird that I should have. Yeah, like, yeah. It's weirder that you expected me to. <laughs> well, I mean, I hate that you expected me to. <laughs> it fits the the uh, the meter that she's in, but maybe she just more like, you know, why didn't you reach out to try and even explain you this? Explain that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. You didn't even like give me the closure of like what happened. Yep. And then she's crying. I guess she improvs that she's crying there. And I, Styles really nails this scene. Yeah, she does really good. It's a lot um, of emotion. Walks out to her car. He bought her a guitar. Yep. They oh. sort of reconcile. He like starts to kiss her. She's like, "You can't just buy me a guitar every time you mess up." He's like, "I know, but all, there's also bass guitars and tambourines and drum <laughs> no, kits. I, of I course, really like there's, that. there's other band things I can buy." Yeah, and she's like, try, kind of like trying to like protest a little bit, but he's just kissing her at this point. <laughs> the shoe is. Yep. She's not consenting, but. Who cares? Um, and then uh, <laughs> Letters to Cleo's back again. They're playing. <laughs> on the roof. <laughs> They're playing a cover of I Want You to Want Me by Cheap Trick. They're yes. on the roof, and it's not like, if you haven't seen the movie, it's not like an office building roof. It's not like the school we went to. It's not like that roof. It is really high up there. It's really high. It's <laughs> all roof. It's really high up there, and it's not like, it doesn't seem to be roof access. No. So they have to film this part from a helicopter, Apparently, it costs like half a million dollars every time the helicopter is in the air. Hell yeah. Um, it seems so unnecessary. It is not needed. Nice. Uh, it must have been real scary. They So they were convinced to do the movie because the production company told them they'd get a free trip to L.A. out of it. Mm. And they were like, we did not know we'd be performing on a roof. That's really funny. Um, so they probably like flew them up there if there was no roof access. I have no fucking idea how they got up there. Maybe maybe there is like, but it's not like an office building that has sort of, you know, the equivalent of oh, like just like a like door a, and stuff. There's like a like fire escape a up there or something. Yeah, it probably has, has to be like, a, you know, oh. like a utility entrance or something or a hatch. Uh, I can see that. But yeah. Um, Why is that scene important? It is not the half a million dollars important. Yeah, and they the credits. They, they flew them out like there was this whole like people. Uh, I mean, people remember it. I guess it is. I, it stuck out. I guess. Yeah. Yep. It's that yellow '90s font that's happening, and uh, then we got bloopers over the credits. And I gotta say, none of them are funny. <laughs> I've been defending this movie a lot. I don't consider what happens after the end credits start to be part of the movie and my judgment of it found all these bloopers pretty bad 
Yes. They were mostly teenagers doing things that they thought was funny. That's not funny. Yes. Yeah, and those that's like fine, but it was it was cringy when the adults were involved. Yeah. Yes, I'll agree with that. Um, but I was just happy to see bloopers because it gave me some serious nostalgia. I was like, bloopers, movies used to have these. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so um, she just forgives him. He doesn't even have to say anything. Nope. She just doesn't she care. Doesn't mind. By the time she wrote the poem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she wants what she wants. You know, and and uh, she shouldn't let society tell her she doesn't uh, deserve what she wants. Yeah. Even even in like the negative sense, like she shouldn't let society tell her that she deserves more. <laughs> yeah. Don't ever let anyone tell you, you deserve better than this guy liked you. <laughs> Both sides. Yeah. He. Yeah. How would you? How, so okay. So we. I have a couple leading questions, but first specific to this movie. Uh, how would you react <laughs> in this situation? Put yourself in Cat's uh, shoes. Poorly. Poorly. <laughs> yeah. You full no contact, just like do not talk to me. I'd probably, yeah. I'd probably try to fight him. Honestly, I'd I'd beat the shit out of him for sure. Out of Heath Ledger, yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah, I just hope he wouldn't fight back. Yeah, in this situation, <laughs> you're a, a teen girl. I'm a teen girl. Yeah, I'd I'd probably uh, at least kick to the groin. Minimum. He wouldn't fight back from that. I don't He'd probably think so. be like, I deserve this. Right, you, you gotta. <laughs> At least a kick to the groin. Yeah, I'm way too forgiving. I'd get over it. I'm Julia Stiles. I'm writing a poem about how it was my fault. Yeah, I don't even think it's like... For, she doesn't necessarily even like forgive him, though, and he doesn't necessarily apologize. Yeah, she, that's she's, the weird part. She's just kind of like... I really like, like you still. I don't mind that it, it was fake. Like, I don't mind. I, I think it's more just... I In the positive spin, I guess... Is that she's just like so self possessed that she's like whatever I'm not gonna let this bother me, um, and she like believes that he's genuine about his feelings for her. So I was gonna say like my my take on it is kind of a little bit of like I don't really care the circumstances of how things start. I kind of care more about how I feel yeah. currently. Yeah. So it would depend on how attached I already was because like I don't know. There's a lot of not ideal ways relationships start. This one was pretty peak, I, not ideal, but it's just like I think it's harder because uh, I'm looking at the view from like behind the scenes, where I'm like, you know, about the stalking and like the like the intel gathering and how much of it was fake. Yeah, where it's not just like, oh, they like someone paid him to take me on a date and like it blossomed from there, kind of thing. That's it, fair. I know that like he was faking a lot of things and like you know what I mean. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But he's so he doesn't necessarily apologize, but he does say like he does give sort of context. It started like that, but then I fell for her or whatever. And so mm -hmm. he is returning some of that vulnerability. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's more just that she's just like, whatever, I'm not going to let that stop me from my, being uh, told what I deserve. So I, my biggest thing, and this is why I was asked the question of like, do you think there was a point where it would be okay? Is for me, if they came clean before I found out, that would be a mark of like how much I could trust them. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that would have been better. Um, so at a point where he feels like he's falling for her and like initially refusing an amount of money or whatever and is probably the time that he needs to like 
to tell make a her point what to the, take her side. Because yeah. it's, it's, at this point, it's like, how do I believe that this is real now? Like, <laughs> I think especially where she finds out at the prom, I feel like I'd only be able to see red, especially after he just gaslit her so hard about it. It was fair, yeah. <laughs> yes, after she explicitly was like, it's weird how pushy you're being about the prom. That's like the worst part is like, this was like not, I, it felt like very recently like that he was... Uh, you know what I mean? Very much motivated by money. Yeah, it didn't feel like more than a week. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, and I guess she's also kind of thinking maybe like, you know, well, was it's he- prom just happened and I already got into college across the country, so man, let's have a fun summer. <laughs> Take off. Fair. No, Heath Ledger's also going to Sarah Lawrence. Yes, maybe. Um, So, curious what you think. So I think this does, this has like a kind of tough job grappling with the, I guess you'd say inherent misogyny of the source material. Um, and it does try to modernize and make some stuff more fun, but I think it's, it's just a tough, tough job. But um, I, I feel like you guys still have some queasiness about parts of this movie. <laughs> I was whelmed. Mm-hmm. It didn't hold up as well as I was hoping it would. I think Ray was right. I think we saw it too late. Yeah, could be. Could be. Uh, it still resonates with people all these years later. Um, and I think maybe maybe they just watched it at the time when they were also a teenager or a kid or whatever. Uh, or maybe if they even saw it in college. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Heath Ledger's very charming. They have good He's chemistry. Very charming. Mm-hmm. Sorry, they have good chemistry. So yeah. they do. I, I'll agree for sure. I bet you I could change their opinions by just changing the soundtrack from upbeat songs to horror movie songs, and they'd <laughs> have an entirely different perspective of the movie. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the dialogue is still pretty funny though, and it is uh, very quotable. For sure, a lot of quotes. Um, and I do have one question that I'm going to ask every time. I considered giving you time to think about it by like asking at the beginning, so you had you know you could get your thoughts together. But I didn't, so um, don't think too hard about it. But if someone was to make a movie about your life in high school, what would the source material be? What would it be adapted from to fit your life? Oh, Taming of the Shrew. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> this happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't have to be like classic lit or Shakespeare. It can be like, you know, oh God. a movie, like an already existing movie or just like a story or just some book or I've one read of the like, 57 Animorphs books. <laughs> I was immediately thinking of Animorphs. I've read like eight books in my life. Yeah, but you've heard of stories. <laughs> <laughs> the concept. Like, like the one with the magic beans or <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah, so you'd go Jack and the Beanstalk? <laughs> that was your experience? In high school? Uh, I don't know. My experience in high school is so boring. They don't have a lot of really boring books, do they? Maybe like... The dictionary. I, I had that math too. book that was so boring. Is there a book about starting fires? A bunch? Firestarter. Firestarter by Stephen King. Uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Firestarter. From the mind of Stephen King? Was that a book first or just a movie? I don't know. We'll count it. Okay. Stephen King's Firestarter. Yep. Oh, it's really eighth grade summer. Yeah. Whatever. A young Drew Barrymore, a young Robbie, same deal. Hell yeah. Drew Robbie Moore. Yep. We're at that point of the night. <laughs> I got nothing. Okay. Battle Royale. No. <laughs> Battle Royale. 
It's very similar. I immediately want to pick a Stephen King book, though, now that Robbie picked I know, I'm one. thinking Carrie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Cujo. Cujo, yeah. There it's like go. The Mist. <laughs> Just like only Stephen King books. Yeah. It doesn't have to be Stephen King. <laughs> it it, it has might to be, be like a modern update of Salem's Lot. Just because there, there is like a nerdy kid in there, so I guess that could be me. It's kind of like mm. Pet Cemetery meets Air Bud. <laughs> oh, <God>. oh no! <laughs> in a freezer. <laughs> There's no rule in the rule book that says a zombie dog can't play basketball. <laughs> what about playing with other players? Yeah, okay, that's definitely a vowel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ray, you have any picks for what, what would be adapted to be about your life in high school? I want to say Mean Girls, but like one of the like people in the background that nothing's really happening with. Okay, sure. so, <laughs> so I'm just kind of observing like all that of the drama that's happening. Yeah, you would have been like on the bus that yeah. hits Regina Georgia. Oh, that'd like be that. sick. <laughs> um, yeah, mine mine would be Dune. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yes, the blessed mother. <laughs> I gotta. I'm gonna ask this every episode. I gotta have four. So, <gasps> all right, let's get to ratings. Every week, I'll take what we say here and put it on our letterbox. Late to the movies on letterbox.com. You can give this one a rating on a scale of 0.5 to five. Any scale of your choosing, except for stars. Uh, who's got one locked and loaded? 3.5 holy French books. <laughs> Mm. Holy. Huh. Solid. I'll do 2.5 weird pregnancy belly suits. Nice. I like it. I like it. I'm going to do 2.5 sold livers <laughs> on five. Nice. Um, uh, 3.5 uh, grand musical romantic gestures that get you chased by mm. uh, security guards. Nice. Out of five. All right, guys. Well, thanks for being on. We had Ray, Robbie, and Greg. See ya. Yeah. Adios. Uh, you, you can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Bobbeans, Google Podcasts, um, uh, you know, iTunes. That was another one. Yeah. You can email Noah at late2themovies at gmail.com. You can go on Instagram, late2themovies underscore podcast. You can go to the website, late2themovies.fireside.fm. I don't know what else. Join us next week where we find out what other children are also Mario Lopez. <laughs> I think it's like to the movies pod.fireside.fm, but Google it. Um, next week is going to either be Clueless or She's the Man. I think Channing Tatum's in She's the Man, but it could be Mario Lopez. He <laughs> <laughs> would have been like in his 40s at the time. She's the Mario Lopez. I just picture you as the, um, you know, the meme of the, like, is this the the guy pointing at the butterfly? Is this, Mario is Lopez? this child Mario Lopez? Is this A.C. Slater from St. Bart <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye.